Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Time now for the Yahoo Sports College Podcast with Dan Wetzel. And the beauty of the John Calipari, John Chaney fights is like, 99% of the public, the fans, even the UMass fans, the media, everyone just assumed Calipari deserved it. Like, <laughs> nobody was on Calipari's side. Beat them all. I hope when this video game come, comes back, one of our listeners wins the national title with New England United. Oh, yeah. it'd be great. And SI's Pat Forty. True story, and I don't want to hijack this, but my uncle claims to have invented Pong. Here's Pat. Pete and Dan. On Super Bowl week, which is not college sports, but they all played college sports. Some tried their best to get thrown out, but uh, (laughs) they still played a little bit. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite Super Bowl players. Our tradition may tell the same stories again, but who cares? You can remember that much from last year. Uh, or years past. We can't help it that Tom Brady keeps showing up in this game. But there's plenty of college news, too. And I'm going to start with the big the big development of this week, and that is Eric Gilbert, the great top-notch tight end recruit who went to LSU and looks like could be a, a future NFL player, to say the least, announced his transfer. Now, originally, he was claiming he was going to needed to move closer to home which is in Marietta, Georgia. So there was some thought of Georgia or something like that, or Georgia Tech. Uh, instead, he, he announced for Florida. Now, that's a great get for Florida. I don't know that it changes all the dynamics, but there was one very interesting thing about his announcement. He did it on Twitter. He had his Twitter location uh, little thing on, notification, whatever it's called. And it said that he tweeted his, uh, his news after careful consideration, I decided to commit to the University of Florida This is the best situation for me, and I'm excited to join the family. And he tweeted it from Family Dollar. (laughs) Eric Gilbert announced a major decision in his life from Family Dollar. And all I can say is that SEC recruiting has completely fallen into a state of embarrassment (laughs) I want the Mercedes-Benz dealer of Gainesville. (laughs) I want a Bitcoin farm. (laughs) Family freaking dollar gets you Eric Gilbert now? Pat Forty, what the hell's going on? Times are tough, man. You seen what's going on out there? Places are closing (laughs) down. Jobs are hard to find. Pandemic hadn't been curtailed yet. Sometimes you got to end up at family dollar. 
I am sure after that, after he purchased his, you know, hairbrush, uh, any perspirant, <laughs> you know, whatever you get at Family Dollar, he, he went to the Ritz Carlton and checked in there. And, uh, you know, then properly celebrated his his SEC transaction. That's my hope, at least. I I, I don't know what he was doing at Family Dollar. <laughs> I haven't been to a, I haven't been to Gainesville in a year or two, but I, I don't think they put up a Ritz-Carlton. They don't even have a full-service Marriott. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> That'd be, they'd be skipping a few steps if they just dropped their Ritz next to the swamp. McDonald's the swamp doesn't look so bad anymore, does it, fellas? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <Nah. laughs> Tennessee and the McDonald's cash, cash in the McDonald's bag. Yeah. If if the NCA comes in, I think Dan Mullen got in trouble this year. I don't even remember. He did. He did. He did as a wide receiver out of uh, Seattle. Oh, they've he, got everybody he, in trouble. Yeah, He's that guy. Hart, Hartley got, Dykes yeah. Jr. Yeah. Hart, Hart, Hartley Dykes Jr. He's trying to get the, the whole country in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Notre Dame got in trouble. Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Florida. So far. So far. Yeah. yeah. I might want to not touch that recruit. Yeah. If I'm him, I'm just going to – this would be my defense. Listen, man, I got the best tight end in the country to transfer from LSU, and he did it from the family dollar. Don't tell me I'm cheating. <laughs> Off-brand paper towels. One of those little, like, paddle games with the ball that breaks after three hits. <laughs> cheap, wine, cheap plastic wine glasses that say wine is cheaper than therapy or something. <laughs> <laughs> it, they'll say cheers to 2020 uh, yeah. yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, i'm embarrassed i'm embarrassed where's my sec you know who really is going to look down on this is willie williams the, the <laughs> yeah. crab leg lobster tail paragon of recruiting excess willie oh, williams yeah. the former miami tight end yeah. recruit, back in the larry coker era i believe uh, linebacker linebacker Yes. Yes. Willie uh, Willie Williams will forever be remembered for his recruiting diaries in the Miami Herald, which detailed his excesses (laughs) to the point of so much mockery. These are sort of early days of the Internet being online. Somewhere, Willie Williams is looking around being like, name, image, and likeness shared with the players. (laughs) Family dollar? No lobster tails at family dollar. (laughs) Have some pride, Eric. Yeah. God, you're gonna you're great. Dan, you have to be particularly disappointed because you you adopted Eric Gilbert before this season. I believe you predicted four four touchdowns in LSU's opening game. I did predict three touchdowns. He's got you got one. (laughs) He did have one. He looks good. Yeah. I just I'm just I'm just embarrassed. Yeah. (laughs) Nevin Shapiro's rolling over in his grave. (laughs) <laughs> I think he's alive. I know he is alive. Yeah. <laughs> is he rolling over in he's, his cell? No, he's, he's, he's very, out of the, no, no, is he he's out of the confinement. Up? He's okay. out. He's out. Okay. Okay. Did COVID get him in. out? COVID's yeah, COVID, gotten a lot yeah. of people. He's yeah, out. COVID's gotten a lot of people out. Nevin's doing fine, but uh, I can report Nevin's doing fine. But uh, this we'll is have just Nevis, Nevin and Curtis Malone on a podcast uh, when things get slow in like May. They actually, they actually knew each other from, <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> actually knew each other actually anyway, who would be the connective thread between those two hmm, i don't who know wrote, who wrote about both of them hmm. i don't know hmm. one year my kids were uh baffled when i received three different uh christmas cards from prisons <laughs> <laughs> not even joking which prisons <laughs> you can't I'm just not get throw... into it. I'm not... uh, Nevin was on. one of them, though. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't even want. To. I don't even get is, into all this. What stuff. does it? 
What does a Christmas card from the joint look like? I mean, do they have to be handmade, or can you buy Christmas cards in the joint? You can buy them. They look like the Christmas cards at Family Dollar. <laughs> I don't know. The guy, they, they earn money working in the kitchen and stuff. You saw you know, woodworking shop, the library yeah, yeah. in Shawshank. I can I understand know. that, but how do you like? Do they have a little shop, a Christmas shop in the in the I, joint? You know, where you can <laughs> buy an ornament. The commissary. The commissary. Buy, okay, I'll yeah. tell you a funny prison story. Uh, <laughs> prison stories go. So, nev- uh, no, uh, Aaron Hernandez. We so this is uh, we're doing the you know I covered obviously Aaron Hernandez and we did the the Netflix doc on Aaron Hernandez, and there was a point in Aaron Hernandez where Aaron was banned from getting commissary for some kind of uh he got in a fight or something at prison so he had been he had been disciplined but one day the they were doing the the commissary delivery and they made a mistake and they delivered like two dozen honey buns to aaron's cell aaron got the package and he knew that he wasn't supposed to get it so he immediately starts trying to eat the honey buns (laughs) Because right, like two dozen of them, for, they're coming back. Oh so my he God. ate. He got like he got like fifteen something. He was like Kobayashi with honey buns, apparently. <laughs> so the guy who's delivering the, the the honey buns gets down the cell block and you know finds some irate dude going, "Where the hell's my honey buns?" <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back and they find Aaron in the room with this like pile of wrappers. <laughs> trying to eat the honey buns as fast as he can so in the in the the documentary we had a guy who was our aaron hernandez actor and this guy was amazing looked just like him like he contacted us and said hey i heard you're making a documentary look at me right really so we hired him i met him at the screening with uh, kevin armstrong he looks exactly like yeah just like him so we he filmed us the scene where he eats the honey buns and tries to eat the honey buns on the rat. I don't know. And it never made the movie. And I was so mad. Oh. I was so upset when it, it was like, there was no way to fit it in. The story is no relevance at all, except it's freaking hysterical. Yeah. See, I'm in favor of trying to jam stuff like that in, you know, wherever you can. Like, what does this have to do with anything? Nothing. But it's, Nothing, but it's great. You're sitting in your cell. You're starving. You can't get commissary. And someone drops off two dozen honey buns. You're eating them, baby. Finders you're keepers, just, man. Not my problem now. Come get them. This story doesn't compare to honey buns in jail and Nevin Shapiro. But my favorite college middleman recruiting story of all time was there were two middlemen who had no reason to be connected. Uh, when Pat just said that about Dan and the and Nevin and Curtis, it made me think of this. So I was in Chicago reporting a story on Ken Caldwell, oh, the infamous yeah. middleman known as Financial, who claimed he wasn't a runner, but if he was, he'd be the greatest runner <laughs> in the history of basketball. All right. He, he all was time, not a good runner. No, he's a bad runner, really bad runner. All-time con man. And it turned out through reporting it that he and the infamous Kenny Rogers, who was the middleman for Cam Newton when they were trying to sell him to Mississippi State, they actually played in the same pickup basketball game every day at the West Bank Athletic Club, which is like a famous place in Chicago. And I was like, wait a minute, that's impossible. It's impossible. You know how much cheating is going on with the score in that game. All right, it's yeah. five two. No, it's not. It's three to two. No, it's five to two. You know, that's a foul. No, we, you're not even touch him. Oh, I guarantee. I was like, is it just like wrecking. 10 a.m. All the middlemen and runners yeah. get on in. <laughs> <laughs> I 
just remember sitting there being like, wait a minute. Because they both, both those things happened like around the same time 10 years ago. And I was like, I can't wrap my mind around like <laughs> Kenny Rogers picking up <laughs> Ken Caldwell at half court. Hey. Small world. Small world out there. All right. Well, pod's going great according to the topics. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Super Bowl. Uh, anyway, yeah. apparently, you know, Eric Gilbert was at the family dollar. He's conscientious college kid, broke college kid. Proof that Florida did not cheat, as far as I'm concerned. There you go. All right. Here's the other big news. EA Sports announced on Tuesday they're bringing back NCAA college football game. Uh, now, they got discontinued in 2013 because of name, image, and likeness concerns. We do not know where this is headed with name, image, and likeness, but they're coming back. They're not going to have any, they're not going to use name, image, and likeness. So players on the team will be just randomly computer generated. There'll be no rhyme or reason to the number. So we're not going to get like, you know, they're not going to pretend, you're not going to have this tall, long-haired, number 16 quarterback at Clemson named like, you know, Evan Florence or something. <laughs> I don't know. My guess is they've they've said they've kind of made deals with the school, so I think they'll do the stadiums, the logos, all of those things. They'll just basically they're cutting the players out until the NCAA allows the players to get cut in. But obviously very exciting news for a lot of people who love college football, and it's a good thing for the sport because EA Sports and video games tend to create fans of kids and you know there's a lot of kids who learned soccer through fifa the fifa games you know wouldn't normally know the logo and all the people on you know chelsea but here you are they they know them uh they're the german national team so pete your thoughts on the uh, ea sports game i think it's a really big deal and you you hit the nail right on the head like you can only watch oregon play 12 saturdays a year but if you have the new generation of fans playing with Oregon 200 other days a year, they're more likely going to tune in to those 12 days. So I think it's huge in terms of incubating an audience for the next generation, especially, uh, obviously, thank God, hopefully we'll be out of the pandemic by the time this happens. But it, what you're going to have is a, a, a generation even more weaned on video games now just because they haven't been able to go outside and interact with their friends. And this is now the way they interact with their friends. They put on headsets and they and they go play video games. So the fact that college sports got its act together and revived a vitally popular thing is both great for the next generation and also for the next generation of players because they are going to get some slice of this. Now, Ever, Ever Lawrence is probably not going to get the slice he should get, right? Like it's never going to be completely fair and equitable as we, uh, as we go through all this. But I really think that it shows a glimpse, maybe really the first tangible glimpse into the next generation with profit sharing and name, image and likeness and what it can look like and what it will look like. And that's really an optimistic sign for everybody involved. Yeah, no, it's big. I mean, and it's funny. The, the There's definitely a generational element to this where like, you know, I didn't I didn't play many video games growing up. There was no EA sports when I you know was, was involved in the Cro-Magnon version of video games. So to me, I'm like. Okay, cool. But man, if I mean, like people 15, 20 years younger than I am are like really excited about this. So and again, yes, as Pete alluded to, this will trickle down to younger fans who are just being introduced to college football and it gives them another way to latch onto the game. And eventually, yeah, the players that are in the game will be in the game. 
uh, to use EA Sports Zone uh, slogan. And, you know, it, Eric Gilbert, the hero of Family Dollar by 2022, may be starring in the EA Sports game uh, and other people. And you'll be they couldn't get a cut of that. So for high school star football players and maybe freshman star football players, this could be something that puts money in your pocket, which we'd like to see. I mean, God almighty, there have been enough delays, false starts, false flags, recalibrations, too many cooks stirring the pot, all those things with getting name, image, and likeness passed, but it's coming. It is coming sooner than later, and you dovetail that with this game, and there's a great revenue stream that doesn't take money away from the schools, which is what we have been hearing over and over and over, that, that basically it's leaving their pockets going to the players. This shouldn't be that case. Pat drove uphill both ways to play Atari, is yeah, what he was I trying did. to tell us. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what? I built the Atari the myself with a hammer yes. and a nail. He had Pong. He just played Pong at the bowling alley. <laughs> hey, true story, and I don't want to hijack this, but my uncle claims to have invented Pong. I Which swear uncle? to God, I, I will not hijack this. But you get to see some of those residuals. If you really, if that was really true, you wouldn't be slumming on a podcast. Well, no, with us he, hey, he was for he, he was forever bitter that he got cut out of the uh, the patenting of this thing. <laughs> Yeah. Such a sophisticated and nuanced game. This is a curb your enthusiasm episode. Yeah. Life was going well, and I was an embittered guy (laughs) drinking whiskey alone in a darkened room because he got cheated on a pong. (laughs) I'm back. I mean, you know, if if you invented the thing that put that, if you invented the key thing that put like man on the moon and you didn't get credit for that, pong, pong was first. It was it. Pong was first. (laughs) (laughs) Bong. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm done. All right. I'm done. Well, in the future, Eric, the next Eric Gilbert can at least upgrade to shopping at Walgreens if he's trying to, you know, get his thing together. <laughs> um, I do think that th- it, this is big, I, and it really it was stupid of college sports to give up this incredible marketing platform because it's really not the players. If you're the sport of college football, you're the NCAA, you're these athletic directors, you're these commissioners. One of the things in, in the in, the enduring thing that makes us love the sport are the logos, the traditions, the fight songs, the stadiums, the, you know, and that's what you're going to market. The players come and go and, and, and the players will be exciting when they can finally do it. But if for nothing else, you know, it's a chance and the way they make these video games, like it's better to play a game than go to it. I mean, you know, so you can bring the pageantry of not just the big house, but like, you know, a snowstorm hitting, um, you know, Boulder or, or or whatever you're coming up with and, and all of those things generating in that is so valuable. Uh, there's just no other way to get a bunch of 10 year olds to get fired up about that. And so th- it's a good thing for, for college sports overall. And yes, it'll be eventually, hopefully a shared dollar that they had given up because they were so stubborn. Unfortunately for the players, yeah. uh, there are roster downloads for Madden and NCAA. There are workarounds to where some random Yahoo on on the internet could make a Schmever Lawrence, and then you download that, and it, it'll be basically Trevor Lawrence. So, okay. yeah, of course. All right. Sully, do you have, are you a devotee of the A sports game? I actually have had a bone to pick with them the last few years. Matt, their Madden and FIFA product has basically been the same for the last five years. So hopefully this will jumpstart them and and they're going to make a new game. Will the Wetzel daughters be playing this game, Dan? I don't know. 
I don't know. We, we have FIFA gets played some. It's just just different games. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. My younger daughter is will play some games. I have, uh, you know, I know this will surprise everyone. I have a slightly addictive personality. So I try to uh, steer clear of these things because once I start playing. <laughs> I can't uh, stop. Yep. Yeah, I can't stop. Just pretty much the problem with everything in my life. So <laughs> just uh, wait till you we'll start see. a dynasty may... with Hawaii and take them to the national championship day. Yeah. You're going to get addicted. This is, this is what is, <laughs> I have a lot of things in life happening. I got, you know, I, I, I like just saying, let's add 50 hours a you week mess. of video games. You can play. take UMass to the national championship. <laughs> oh, here we go. New England College. Let me say this. If you can get top players like Eric Gilbert through Family Dollar, UMass has no excuses anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I hope when this video game comes comes back, one of our listeners wins the national title with New England United. Oh, like if that great. happened and that was sent to us on Twitter, we would completely go create bonkers. a school. Yeah. In in yeah in college, my buddy's got a kick out of me winning the World Cup with Albania. That was like my quest <laughs> in life, my senior year of college. <laughs> All right, the uh, big games coming up on Sunday, Super Bowl. BetMGM's your place. Place any big game bet and get $100 added to your account immediately. Plus, get an extra $25 if the big game coin flip is tails. Simple as that. That's all you got to do. BetMGM. Sign up at BetMGM.com slash Yahoo special. Use promo code SPORTSBOOK when you make your first deposit. The promo is valid for users in New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, Colorado, Iowa, Virginia, and Michigan that are 21 years or older. Bonuses paid and free bets within 24 hours. Terms apply. The rest of you states, what are you doing? Why aren't you involved with New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, Colorado, Iowa, Virginia, and Michigan are doing so? BetMGM.com slash Yahoo special for uh, for all of uh, us lucky residents of those states. All right. We like to talk about the stars of the Super Bowl through their college prism. Uh, some of these guys keep going back to the Super Bowl, but that's all right. We have good stories about them. Let's start with Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes played at Texas Tech. He was a three-star recruit. There was a lot of concern he was going to go play baseball. He was actually drafted by the Detroit Tigers. A number of the bigger, more powerhouse teams in the uh, Big 12 saw him more as an athlete, maybe a, a, a safety. Uh, not a safety. <laughs> that was a bad call. No, no, good God! All those Big Twelve teams just want to load up their defenses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know of that all the guys reputation. of all the guys you decided to put on defense it was Patrick freaking Mahomes. <laughs> Went to Texas Tech. Not to I apologize to plug the book. But I did write the epic athlete book about him. I went through every single Texas Tech game while he played there. Holy cow! What a disaster! <laughs> <laughs> rereading this rereading these box books you're like and the quotes after and everything uh, like i went through every game it's like you have patrick mahomes what are you doing he didn't I recruit mean, any defenders no. he was like 80 to 76 it's terrible did you cover pat a patrick mahomes game in college did yeah, you I ever did see not. him live, Pat? No, yeah, I didn't I, either. No, because it, it, Texas never Tech was never good mind. enough. No, <laughs> Texas Tech was never good enough to sell for a story. 
you know, but you love I mean, the scores, Dan, you're right. Like his senior year, they give up 68 to Arizona State, 45 to Louisiana Tech, 44 to Kansas State, 48 to West Virginia, 66 to Oklahoma, 45 to Texas, 45 to Oklahoma State, 66 to Iowa State. I mean, what an atrocity. That dude is a head coach in the NFL. I believe the 66 to Iowa State is the last time he's lost by more than one score in a game. I oh, saw I that, heard that. Yeah, that's on amazing. Twitter this week, so it must be true. <laughs> Can you imagine if he went to Oklahoma? Oh, That skill set was applied in an offense that had some sort of pulse of a complementary defense. Mm. Uh, they could have mm. won the national title yeah. if he had gone Absolutely. to Kansas City wouldn't have gotten him. Yeah, oh, no. that's for sure. That's true. And, and that's true. Now, the best part is that Texas Tech at that time, they had Pat, B- Baker Mayfield gave him his uh, his recruiting visit. He was his host. Davis Webb, who ended up going to Cal and was in, he may still be in the league. He played for the Giants. He's a third round years. pick from the Giants, right? Yeah, Giants. They had three NFL quarterbacks at Texas Tech at one point. Not just NFL quarterbacks. Like Mayfield's really good. I think they won eight games as their big their big one. They did beat Texas one year. That was about it. But unbelievably Charlie disastrous. Charlie Strong's uh, sayonara. Uh, disastrous run. I mean, I don't know how you how you sit back and wonder what you did to waste all that talent. And I, I got to give Kingsbury credit. I mean, Kingsbury's a good guy, and and he's smooth, right? And he's, he was relentlessly positive because after – I'd watch all his press conferences after. We just, we're just about to turn the corner. The defense, they're, they're trying hard. Like, I would have just lost my mind. <laughs> anyway, that's Mahomes. So anybody, did anyone talk to Patrick Mahomes when he was in college? Zero times. No, None? I didn't. I zero didn't. attempts. Yeah. Zero just, I mean, he was prolific and he put up big numbers and you were like, wow. But I can't sit here and say like, oh, I saw this coming. No. no. No, I mean, I I was really surprised, you know, when the Chiefs traded up for him. Uh, but by now, then by then, people were really starting to to go crazy about his natural gifts, you know, pro day and that sort of thing. And and I guess you could see it, but but still, I thought, gosh, you're trading up for a guy that never won anything in high school. As a matter, of, he was a freshman at Texas Tech the same year as Vincent Testaverde, son of. Heisman winner Vinny Testaverde. And they, the, the Big 12, boy, oh boy, there was some offensive players uh, in the league at that point in time. I mean, because remember, that was still the stigma of the leech quarterbacks won't make it. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Graham Harrell didn't make it. All these guys who were prolific and threw for a billion yards didn't make it. Cliff was obviously a branch of that tree. So I remember that draft, I was working at Sports Illustrated, it was in Philly. I'd gone to see Saquon Barkley that week and then went over and covered the draft. And so I blasted, I got like the column half right, which is usually about what you end up getting. And I blasted the Bears for trading up for Trubisky. And I said the Texans were going to look, you know, like geniuses for for Watson. And I just like, I I just sort of dismissed Mahomes. I, I I I was probably negative on it, but I mean the Trubisky thing to me is one of the most preposterous things in NFL history. Oh, it was terrible, and I called that I called that in real time. But like we had just watched Pat, you were sitting in the same press boxes. I mean, we just watched Deshaun Watson oh. obliterate Alabama two years in a row. He won one yeah. title and lost the other on the last play because of a you know because of an onside kick. I mean, he basically had just like dissected the greatest modern defensive coach, and like you're going to tell me. You're going to take Mitch Trubisky over Deshaun. Like, it didn't make any sense. And I still think Watson, given the right environment, can have a 
prolific and be kind of one of the, you know, a, a quarterback of this generation, like an Aaron Rodgers, like a Brady. Like, I, I think it's all there. I believe Watson has like the best quarterback rating in NFL history. Like, he's really, really good. Yeah. And I look forward to see him landing somewhere where that can be fully, uh, where that can be fully exploited. But like Mahomes draft night, I was kind of like, eh, trade up for that guy. Okay. Like, sure. There was a game at Iowa State when he was a sophomore where he got hurt. Kansas City's GM had gone up to Ames, and the team was terrible. I think it was his sophomore. Maybe it was junior year. One of the two years. Is that a- is in Ames. Uh, hooray, hooray, Ames. Uh, just went for the water. Mahomes got hurt, but then he went back in the game, even trailing, and kept playing. And that was like the big, like, this guy's the guy. He's our baller. Yeah. And then, yeah, the individual stories. Uh, and I think... Somewhere they got it. So it was uh, obviously a very inspired pick. I'm with you. I was just like, huh, all right. It's the same way when it was one year, and I wrote a column about it at the draft, when Goff and Wentz were going 1-2. Right. And I'm like, if you really like college football, you really don't know. You got to really like college football to know who these two dudes are. (laughs) Like, really? Jared Goff? Yeah. Okay. Got eight wins at Cal. Like, that was it. Like He was no Davis Webb. No. (laughs) No Davis Webb. And well, he's maybe a little better than that, but yeah, Trubisky, the Trubisky one was like, what? Yeah. Like you picking the second team all ACC player, but sometimes these things work and sometimes they don't. Well, I mean, sometimes these guys, so who knows? Uh, All right. Tom Brady, Tom Brady's in the game. You've heard of him. Maybe quarterback. Anyone talk to Tom Brady when he was at Michigan or or cover uh, those had some good, good Michigan teams. I did for the vaunted publication of the Daily Orange, 1998. A couple of us, the first weekend of school, hopped in a uh, hopped in an SUV, drove from Syracuse to Michigan, and watched Donovan McNabb obliterate Michigan and Tom Brady. I forget what the final score was. It was worse than the score. I mean, McNabb had a day. It was like Heisman talk and all that stuff. They had just lost to T. Martin in Tennessee. The previous week, there may have been a flotsam and jetsam game in between there, but I'm pretty sure it was it was back to back. Uh, it was back to back weeks that 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 happened. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if there's been a better Syracuse football moment since that day in 1998, <laughs> quite frankly. But it was uh, it was stunning. And the, the the defining Tom Brady memory from that day was when they pulled him in the second half for Drew Henson mm. and the Michigan faithful who remained. I give him credit. They all remained went bonkers. Because Drew Henson was the future. He was like profiled in Sports Illustrated. He was an all-time great baseball prospect. He was an all-time uh, everything. And obviously, we know how that worked out. I'm I was local. At, he was local. Oh, yeah, too. local too, yes, which is huge pull. I'll, I'll put the coda on this in that a few years ago at Sports Illustrated for Where Are They Now? I spent two or three days with Drew Henson doing baseball scouting. He was a baseball scout at the time. I think he's out of it now. He's working for the Yankees organization. It's a really fun story, really cool assignment. I really enjoyed Drew Henson. He was he, he was great. And I'll never forget the statistics. One of the most amazing statistics I've ever run across in sports. So Drew Henson was the quarterback for the Cowboys, and he threw one career touchdown pass. And he ended up, he was a very good AAA baseball player, ended up at the at the Yankees. And in Major League Baseball, he has one career hit. Wow. Like you want it's like statistical odds of one human making both sports and getting one <laughs> statistical marker <laughs> yeah. of relevancy. I mean, it's like mind boggling. And the gold standard franchises. Yes. And I always thought it's un- like Drew Henson obviously got this got He got a lot of starts and made a lot of money playing baseball and all that. Athletes, athletics were good to him. But 
it's like it's unfair that people are like, well, that Drew Henson, he sucked. Like, no, like, you know, how good you got to be right to get to that. Like, you know, just because Tom Brady's the guy you if he just been battling Chad Henney, <laughs> no one would be care. Right. But because yeah. it became Brady, it's like all those guys that got drafted before him that end up like getting humiliated on ESPN every year. Uh, look at all these guys. They should, you know, some right. of these guys are like fifth round picks. Like, man, I didn't do nothing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the other great Drew Henson thing was he did his AAA in Columbus. And I think he was there for more than once. He was really good. He hit like 30 home runs one year or whatever. And every single time he went to the plate in Columbus, Ohio State fans booed him. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, it got old after a while. He uh, was like, oh, yeah. Nope. They still booed him. That's a, That's a good rivalry. That's a good rivalry. Bitter Buckeye fans at AAA baseball yes. games. All yeah, right. let's go. Yeah. Let's go to the Columbus. What's their name? The, the uh, Yankees. The Columbus Yankees. Yeah, let's go to the Columbus Yankees game tonight. Clippers, Yankees. Columbus Clippers. Get blitzed and boo yeah. <laughs> Drew Henson. <laughs> <laughs> Those conversations happened in like 2001. But that's the thing, you know, like to your point, Dan, like that dude was a hell of an athlete to make it to Ooh. the NFL and Major League Baseball. You know, good for him. Unfortunately, you know, he was projected as a savior or a superstar in both sports. And, you know, sorry it didn't happen. And, yes, you, you were happened to be there with, with the greatest quarterback in history. So, you know, sorry about your luck, but that guy probably deserves a heck of a lot more credit for being an, a, an extremely accomplished athlete than he's gotten through the course of his life. Yeah, and he screwed up Brady's draft. He was good enough, and obviously the local sensation. His dad was a coach at Michigan. There was a ton of reasons why. Lloyd Carr kept playing them. Uh, and they had the b- most baffling rotation system at one point where one would play the first quarter, the other would play the second quarter, oh, and then right. at halftime, the coaches would meet and decide who's playing the rest of the game. Yeah, so weird. Like they screwed up uh, hey, Tom Brady and Charles Woodson. Yeah, right. right. Most accomplished quarterback, maybe the greatest quarterback ever, and the maybe the greatest defensive player of all time. Like they had players, they screwed that thing up. But the Patriots were the only ones that looked at it like everyone else is like, well, if you can't start as a senior, why are we taking you? Which is, yeah. you know, like even Mitch Trubisky started. But if you look at that senior year, I mean, they were they beat Penn State. They beat Alabama in the Orange Bowl. I mean, he was really good. Brady yeah. was really good in college. He just never got that that fair shake. And it was just so mismanaged that he ended up the 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 sixth round pick. Crazy, crazy college career, because I, I always feel like Michigan fans got cheated out of enjoying him the right. way you know like tennessee fans right like they they yeah. shared in every peyton manning vic super bowl no right sully yeah it's your guy and michigan it's like oh well we kind of had him but i probably did boo him <laughs> one little <laughs> nugget about the patriots and the draft is they do actually if you look historically account for like they will take like blue chip guys from high school who flop david Patton was the number one receiving uh recruit in the country out of texas he went to notre dame Urban Meyer recruited him there as a receiver coach. He never really panned out too much in Notre Dame. Patriots took him in the sixth round. Notre Dame misused him. And David Patton became a perfectly good high-end receiver who won multiple Super Bowls and ended up getting a huge payday in Tennessee. Like, they paid attention to the raw materials even if they didn't manifest themselves in that way. A lot of ways, like, same way the Browns drafted Donovan Peoples-Jones this year. Right, right. No, but it's funny. That's like, and not a direct comparison, but... You know, one of the reasons, obviously, the Patriots ended up where they were is just incredible insight into how to draft. But look, that's who the Chiefs are. And that's who the Chiefs have been with Mahomes. But more than that, I mean, you look at McCole Hardman, who's one of their receivers. I went to his signing day in Elberton, Georgia, 
It was really fun. Like the local AM radio station that broadcast the Elberton High School games or Clark, whatever county they were in the games. They're doing the live broadcast that morning. You know, the, the morning crew is there. They're set up. He's got the hats there. And they're, you know, like the gym is packed. And who's he going to pick? Is it going to be Georgia? Or is it going to, I'm trying to think who. There were chairs with six cakes were arrayed on the table. Each one topped with a school pennant. Tennessee, Michigan, Florida, Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State. Uh, Georgia was not represented by a cake or balloons. But lo and behold, he picked the dogs. And like the whole place just goes crazy. It was awesome. But and he had a very good career in Georgia. But Kansas City clearly said, we're just going to get the fastest human beings we can find. And we are going to put them in space in Andy Reid's offense, and we're going to beat you with that. And they got Tyreek Hill, had nearly blown his entire uh, career, but uh, and was damaged goods when they got him. And they got McCole Hardman, and they get Kelsey, and you put Mahomes with them, and it's you just been unstoppable. You know who his lead recruiter was at Georgia? Jeremy Pruitt. Didn't he just get in trouble? Hmm. I, I don't know. Oh, Hmm. Oh, hmm. <laughs> suggesting a Dollar General was involved. Sully, are you going to call Bonchenikin King? <laughs> hey, add this to your list. Those cakes that were at that party, Pat went to. The old recruitment of McCole Hardman. So he he got six cakes made, but not a Georgia one, just to fake out the fans. Yeah, yeah. The whole thing was a dang fake. Wow. Yeah. Good. That's a yeah. good signing day. Yeah. Eight thirty a.m. So then you're like, if you're like, do you, I mean, that's a lot of cakes. <laughs> Get the Tennessee yeah. cake, even though you weren't in the top six. There was a lot of people in the gym. They could, everybody could give us almost like the loaves and the fishes, the cakes. You could just keep handing them out to the people. To your point, Pat, conference representation in the Super Bowl 32 players are from the SEC. That includes seven from LSU, which leads also tied seven from Michigan. Big 10 is 22, ACC 14, Pac 12, 11. Conference USA, 10. The MAC has eight. American Athletic Conference, five. Big 12, five. Independent, five. Mountain West, four. Sunbelt, three. But most interesting to me, FCS and Division three NAIA, whatever, 30. Wow. So there are nearly 30? as many players from there as the SEC. I once did a signing day once. Uh, I could, probably could have done it this week if there was a real Super Bowl kind of thing. But there was signing day. It was the week of the Super Bowl down in... Um, it was when it was in Dallas, in Arlington. I remember the column. It was great. Roethlisberger and all that. And I, I, I talked to all the guys, like, how was your signing day? And they all were like, I just remember James Harrison going, if I had a signing day, and if you ever talked to James Harrison, it's one of the scariest individuals <laughs> to ever speak to. They have a commercial where he tackles somebody yeah. now. It's like, I, 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 James Harrison's terrifying. You're like, Mr. Harrison, sir, may I please ask you a question about how great you are? But I remember him going, if I had a, Hat table with hats that only be one hat. <laughs> was, <laughs> Kent State was it for didn't him? Did he go to like it? Kent State? Yeah, Kent State. Yeah, yeah. one hat it would have been a one hat ceremony. Great quote. <laughs> but all these guys were like, "Hell yeah, man!" I I was so jealous. All these kids and you know there was nobody at mine. There was a kid who went to Colorado school of mine. It was everything. So one of our all time favorites, of course, is Gronk. Another guy that we probably didn't get a whole lot of coverage. When he was at Arizona, he missed the whole season because of his back. Love, I love everything about Gronk because, of course, Gronk would go from uh, – he was up in Buffalo, and then he went to high school in Pittsburgh his senior year. But, of course, he would go to the warmest, partiest school he could possibly go to. No concern <laughs> about the actual football program. I can only imagine the Gronk recruiting visit. <laughs> My favorite Gronk amateur athlete story remains when he played basketball for his high school team. 
and they had amassed uh, his favorite number of points, which is <laughs> one less than 70. <laughs> and then he purposely missed two free throws <laughs> so that the team would remain with one less than 70 points just for the fun of it. Nice. I mean, is that not the guy you want in your high school? Like just the whole crowd laughing. Oh, yeah. So the the best Gronk recruiting thing I can say is like uh, Greg Robinson, the former Syracuse coach, who may have been the single worst coaching hire of the last generation in college football. There's, there's you could you, he is in the five. He is in the top five. And Pat still hates him because he was a bad Broncos defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Rob Gronkowski is from Buffalo, which is right on I-90. His father played football at Syracuse. His father has a had a contract to like provide the gym equipment to Syracuse. And somehow they lost Rob Gronkowski to and, and Rob Gronkowski is like a Syracuse fan. Like he went oh, to a yeah. game there last year. Like, you know, obviously you grew up with it, your dad played there, and they still somehow failed to land him. The Mike Stoops recruiting arm, uh, because Mike Stoops was his college coach, reached up to uh reached up to Pittsburgh to uh to go and get him. Gronk, I was told there's a very good chance he will be coaching the Arizona spring game this season, which would probably mm. be the only spring game Yahoo would want me to cover. It would be a good one. <laughs> Could see Gronk on one sideline and Teddy Bruschi on the other. Uh mm. I was just yeah. told this, uh, I was just told this yesterday. But I'm impressed I have, with the Arizona work. Yeah, that well he they just got him up, took him to a foam party in Tucson. And yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's over. I mean, it, it was over. It, it's over. Yeah. There's a great photo. Uh, Sully sent us this too. Uh, uh, the Twitter feed at Unnecessary Roughness has a picture of Gronk at 2006 when he was at uh, his Ohio State recruiting visit. He's on the sidelines for a game and he looks absolutely hungover. The best part <laughs> is it's a night game. Like, you can see the sun setting behind the Ohio Stadium. Oh, that's right. The sun's going still... down. <laughs> Go t- uh, the tweets, uh, I'll just search this up, because uh, this tweet is from, it's not, you know, fresh, so you're going to have to go through a hungover Gronk at Ohio State recruiting visit in 2006. He looks, I mean, good Lord. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> You want to see the football? Uh, this is how we're going to use you in the offense. Don't care. <laughs> you want to see a weight room? Nah, strong enough. Where's the bar? Drunk. Where are the bars? Shearer's story this week that to get signed by Tampa Bay, he needed to show he was doing, he was training every day. He was doing like these 40 sprints. Yeah. And then he just would switch his his t-shirt so it looked like he was doing it on different days <laughs> just keep them. and then he would send it to he tricked the, to the tampa bay oh. <laughs> conditioning department because he didn't want it because he was kind of out of shape at the beginning of the year like that's, i mean that's that's almost like aunt becky level rowing machine picture yeah. you just put there, a different shirt you know? on and then run one and then run another with a different shirt and he'd have his week of workouts in <laughs> That's so great. My Gronk story, uh, I did a uh, I did a profile of his brother, who was a fullback at Kansas State when I worked at Sports Illustrated. I went to Manhattan, and his brother was a bartender at whatever the Kansas State local uh, version of 44s is in Syracuse, and I'm sure every town has one. And his brother worked the bar, that, and Gronk just thought the fact that his brother was a bartender like at the local bar was like awesome, and like girls would <laughs> girls would like just hand him his phone number from over the bar. It was great. So I got to know the Gronks a little bit doing that. I live in Boston. I think it was the year that Patriots ended up beating Seattle in the Super Bowl. Sports Illustrated was like, hey, can you do a Gronk story? So I was like, sure, I'll give it a shot. So I call the dad and I say, hey, do you mind if I you know, do a profile of Rob? Um, he goes, yeah, let me ask him. 
So it was, I remember it was like a Friday afternoon. I was sitting at my kitchen counter. 30 seconds later, he texts me. He goes, go to this address on Monday and Rob will meet you, or Tuesday, and Rob will meet you there. And I was like, okay, that I will do. Now, anyone's ever dealt with the Patriots knows there's usually a few more layers of like security to get to their players than going to Rob Gronkowski's house on this day. So I did what anyone does when they think they have like a, like, like, like a little bit of a score here. I did not tell a soul. Hell I didn't no. tell my editors. I didn't tell my friends. I certainly didn't tell the Patriots. I just like twirled Mona. my thumbs until Tuesday. Mona. And I left like to beat the traffic down there. And Dan, you'd understand this. Like you don't want to leave Boston at four. So I just like, like left at like two in the afternoon and sat in, sat in Patriot place and twiddled my thumbs. And uh, the Gronk house trip was one of my, one of my more favorite reporting things. It was on that trip that I'd realized he had bought a party bus. And oh, so that yeah. like, so whatever I wrote, was a profile, great story. all the people yeah. I called, it didn't matter. It was like <laughs> the immediately aggregated 30 seconds after his Gronk has a party bus, uh, <laughs> which was a great contribution to journaling. Like, like, yeah. When I when I die, they're gonna be Pete Thamelcom, the journalist who discovered Rob Gorkowski's party goes. <laughs> Passed away at age. Broke whatever. the big news. Yes, broke that the big news. That was a sign of maturity, though. I remember everybody, including the Patriots, I don't think, knew about the party boss. <laughs> yeah, right. Then they found out about it and they're like, Well, you know, I mean that's Gronk's. And what it was really used for was there was he had a, a gopher who worked for him named Goon. The guy's actual <laughs> name was Goon to the point where I looked up his birth records because I didn't believe him. And I remember and he was really like in a wedding Goon? in Providence. In who names like, their uh, child Goon? No, it was his last name. <laughs> oh, OK. All right. All right. It was okay. his last name. And they so called a lot him of Goon. them in Providence. <laughs> yeah. And he, yeah. Needless to say. Uh, yeah. Robert Goon. Yeah. So like okay. I was literally looking up old Providence journals like to see like Robert Goon was in a wedding in like, you know, 2003 somewhere. So Goon was essentially like the kind of guy who would like take keep an eye on Rob. But he also would drive the family to the airport, which is a big thing. Like when you're when you're ferrying people back and forth and all that stuff. So the party bus also doubled as like an actual bus for like lack of a <laughs> lack of a better way to uh, to put it. The thing I'll remember most about Gronk's house is that the doorways were huge. It was custom built for him. So the doorways were like cathedral doorways. They were like 12 feet. They were like these huge arcs. And then like, you know how like people have on like the jars of their counter, like different things for like jar of sugar, jar of flour, whatever. He had like jars of nuts that could have fed like small European nations for a month. <laughs> I mean, the jars were silos. Everything was just like bigger there. And he lived with two of his buddies from high school, one of whom sold video conferencing. And I remember he didn't want me to like reference him in the story because he just didn't want to be attached. But I was like, how weird is it in this like weird gronk world that like his idiot buddy from high school lives upstairs and sells video conferencing software? It's probably <laughs> like, made a gazillion dollars since yeah, the pandemic it, hit. Yeah, right? no, exactly. no, that's in the good last point. year. Probably, yeah. probably, gronk's probably. asking him for a loan yeah. now. No, yeah. I know. I should. I should you, you're probably selling this niche thing called Zoom. And I was like, yeah, yeah whatever, the man. Zoom idea. I don't know. No, <laughs> I was like, you don't want to be in the house. story. I, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> but the best gronk moment was. So I, he's very generous with his time. He was very nice. He really freaked out when I asked him about injuries. Like that was like, he could tell, like his eyes were like, I can only say the wrong thing because he had come back from a bunch of injuries that year. That was kind of part of his uh, story. So at the end, I remember I was like, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Very, very nice. I'm, I'm putting on my backpack and I'm about to leave. And I was going to go to the Patriots open locker room the next day, which every day in the NFL, there's like an open locker room, whatever. So I said, Hey, Rob, when I'm in the locker room tomorrow, who should I talk to? Like, which one of your teammates? Like, who are you close with? You know, just like, and he looks at me and goes, 
you're going to be in the locker room tomorrow? And I was like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, did they not do that in the NFL anymore? Like, I'd been in a few years. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, me too. <laughs> it was like, Santa, I know him. And he was like so irrationally excited that like the guy sitting at his kitchen table like would like, reappear the next day in the locker room. Like it was I, like imagine that Gronk would be in the Patriots locker room. What a surprise. Yes. yes. He was just like, I'm going to be there too. And then the next day when I saw him, he was like, you're here. And I was like, you know, mind you, there's 40 other reporters like in the locker room. And I was like, yeah, I'm here. And it was, he wanted me to talk to Chandler Jones. He goes, there's Chandler. Go talk to him now. It's like, okay, Rob. I it's like, uh, like I would have been concerned. Like, do you know that I'm a reporter? Like, do you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not the here to sell you a life insurance policy. I'm a reporter. In fact, yeah. The, the other funny part was like he didn't make the connection that I was the reporter who wrote about his brother. So yeah. at a certain point, like, you know, in like the, it, you know, before you dial into a reporter, you just chat. I was like, yeah, when I went, so he was like, you were the guy who went and did the story on my brother in the bar? And I was like, yes. He's like, that was awesome. <laughs> I, I one time was, uh, I went, uh, when I was working for CBS Sportsline, was covering college basketball. I went to the hometown of Irwin Dudley, the old Alabama player. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. From a little town called Uniontown, Alabama. So I called ahead and I got the mayor, who I think also was like the mortician. He was like at a <laughs> funeral home. He was the of mayor. Course. He's like, meet me at the funeral home. So I go and I'm interviewing him and it's just me. I got a notebook, ask a couple questions about Uniontown, Irwin. I don't know. There. It's a little town. There's nothing. You're trying to find whoever. So at the end of the interview, he looks at me, goes, all right, so when's this, uh, when's this going to appear on CBS? And I'm like, there's no cameras here. You are <laughs> dot com, dot com. It's like the dot oh com hadn't gotten to, or to Uniontown. <laughs> Do you think he's going to go uh, 60 Alabama, minutes yeah. or something like this? There is just, just two of us. <laughs> this little pen is not a camera. I don't know. So, uh, we they, never know. There were many of those moments when I was at ESPN. Dot com, oh, by the way, too. You know, they show up for the interview and they're like, wait a minute, where's the camera crew? Where's where's the lights? Where's everything that's going to put me on ESPN? Like, no, nah, you're going on the website, buddy. Yeah. Sorry. They get very disappointed. <clears throat> yeah. They're very disappointed. Yeah. Well, Gronk, uh, I like it. The party bus. I'm glad he turned it into something else, too. I mean, any bus is a party bus if you try hard enough. And then, hey, remember he had the party ship. Remember we did something on that? Oh, back we in had the, the cruise. Uh, yeah, the, mm. the, the Gronk cruise. Right. The SS Syphilis. Oh. <laughs> Good God. The Gronk's party cruise. God, I love that guy. I, we're just going to keep telling these stories because they're going to end soon and we're not going right. to be able to tell our Gronk stories. If you're like, he was in WWE a little bit. I talked to him at the last Super Bowl. What's he going to do after? He's actually has a very thoughtful and there's a part of him that really wants to be taken seriously and, and be a businessman. And he's got this health and fitness thing and and all of that. But then it, you know, then the rest of his, then he tells stories at media day. Like, yeah, I tricked the t Tampa Bay <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to thinking I was training every day when I wasn't. <laughs> and you just go, forget it. Yeah. Forget He's it. the best. Like that. Yeah. That might be my favorite story I've ever done. Just, it was just, all, it was just hilarious. He Phenomenal. was so genuine and he was a kind person too. You know what I mean? Like a genuinely kind person. Oh, he's a good guy. Yeah. Remember at that, at that time, the Patriots thought he was the problem tight end. They had to keep an eye on. 
<laughs> yeah, right. You know, yeah. Hernandez was just the quiet dude in the corner. Uh-huh. All right. We do need to get to this uh, sad news in college basketball. The passing of John Chaney, the great Temple coach, just a legend, 89 years old. Talk about a life well lived. Grew up in the Depression in Jim Crow, Jacksonville, Florida. Poor as poor can be. We, I don't know that we even have poverty like that anymore. Moved to Philadelphia, built a career as a basketball coach at a time when they did not want black guys coaching basketball. Started as a junior high coach. He was junior high. Simon Gratz High School, Cheney State, where he won a D2 title, and then Temple. Uh, there was a time when Temple was number one team in the country. They're, they were cool. I, I don't even know how to describe this thing. Like, people people and kids in Boston had Temple jackets. Yeah. Like, what? Like, you know, like, hats, everything. Obviously, a pioneer against a, a lot of uh, policies in the NCA that he saw as discriminatory. Proposition 42, Proposition 48. He and John Cheney were court of a... Uh, and Nolan Richardson, too. I want to give Nolan credit. Those three were relentless in their fighting for something better. Don't tell me this kid is at risk. You know, you see at risk. I see Aaron McKee. Yeah. You know, you see at risk. I see Pat Ewing. Proposition 48 was so absurd. They wouldn't allow. You didn't qualify. You weren't allowed to get a scholarship. It was basically the NCA stepping between the schools. Now, the schools are the NCA, but saying, like, what was the harm in saying, hey, come study here for free? You basically are kicking these kids to the curb. It was so punitive. It was terrible. Famous, great coach, simple coach. Didn't He had three policies. Don't turn the ball over. Uh, try to get more. Actually, maybe only had two. Did, don't, don't, don't turn the ball over. Don't foul and get more shots than the other team and we'll win. That was it. It was like early analytics. Like If I get more <laughs> shots at the hoop than you do, we got a chance to win. It was very, very simple basketball. Um, his teams were not uh, aesthetically pleasing to watch, but they sure as hell won. He made five elite eights. Always wished he'd made that final four, if only for the final four press conference that he would have oh. uh, gone crazy at. Yeah, that would have been epic. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, there was, there was that cadre of influential memorable super unique coaches from the 80s and and on into the 90s and he was right at the forefront of them didn't quite have the success as john thompson in terms of championships or final fours same with nolan richardson but what a force of personality what a guy that just carried his conviction and was going to do it his way and his way didn't necessarily jive with the way other people did it and he did not care uh and his way worked and he he was great with his players he was one of those guys. Remember, he he had he had morning practices. He thought that would you know keep the players from getting into trouble. They'd practice at like six a.m. The way they played, yeah, it was it was absolutely very dogmatic. Basically, his approach and his eighty-seven, eighty-eight team. That team I thought could have won the national title. That was a great team. Mark Macon, who was a really really good college player, and they just rolled through the season. They lost one game by one point to UNLV. You know, top ten team, and then they're—that's the only loss they had. They're thirty-two and one. They stormed through the tournament. They beat Lehigh. They crushed Georgetown. They beat Richmond, and they're playing Duke in the regional final. And Mark Macon shoots six for twenty-eight. One of the most painful performances I've ever seen from a great player. Could not make anything, and Duke beat him. And that was really uh, John Cheney's last great shot at a Final Four. But uh, sure, glad we had him in the sport. Like I said, I mean, could what a talker. What a thinker! What a fighter against the uh, the status quo. Uh, I remember him talking about the colored drinking fountains and the white drinking fountains in Florida, where he grew up, 
And, you know, just uh, he will be missed badly in a sport where there's still some coaches with some character and some thought and some gumption, but not many like him. Yeah, well, I'm going to give him a little credit uh, as a tactician. His 2-3 matchup zone oh, yeah. um, is really one of the one of the great, you know, one of the great legacies of him on the court. Certainly, you guys touched on it. There are a ton of unbelievable legacies off the court. I do wish we had more outspoken coaches like him in the sport now, dr- driving it where it needs to go. There's still a long way to go. I mean, especially if you think back to the late 80s to now, there are still painfully few African-American head coaches uh, among the 360 or so Division One jobs and even at, at lower levels below that. But I'll give Chaney credit for that that zone. So, you know, people kind of credit Bayheim with like the straight up 2-3 zone. And, and, and Cheney with the 2-3 matchup been studied, replicated, picked for, for years. In the selfish, myopic world of this podcast, we certainly have to tip our hats to John Cheney for yelling at John Kyla Perry that he would kill him after a game at UMass. Uh, what year would that have been, Dan? 90? 90, 94, one? I think. 94? 94. 94. All we know so, is a, a very excited Dan Wetzel's in the middle of the video. Yes. Was. Yeah, our, our listeners should go find that clip. It's what is it? WGGB TV 40 or Channel 22 out of Springfield, whatever it is. There is uh, 21-year-old Dan Wetzel. You can actually see him chewing on his pen in excitement <laughs> as John Calipari and John Cheney need to be separated. There's Dan. He's dressed a little more dapper uh, back then for the press conferences that he, that he does wearing his Memphis sweatshirt for the podcast here. It's cold in this but room. Dan is... Dan is in the front row and he is just giddy. He knows mm-hmm. exactly what he has and he can't wait to run back to the Collegian <laughs> and, and write it up. If only I had known Dana White at that time, we could have had like, <laughs> you know, that I was so fired up for that. Yeah, it was awesome. There was it was a good game. They had a great rivalry. Uh, awesome rivalry. And uh, UMass won it at like a, on a last second shot by Mike Williams, who was a real clutch player. Great player. And he had like six game winners in his career. Great yeah, he was player. amazing. Amazing guy. And Cheney comes in, does the first press conference and is all complimentary. Wasn't always angry. Now, he had previously tried to strangle Calipari on the sidelines once. <laughs> and the beauty of the John Calipari, John Cheney fights is like 99% of the public, the fans, even the UMass fans, the media, everyone just assumed Calipari deserved it. <laughs> like nobody was on Calipari's side. Yeah. Everyone's like, if John Cheney wants to kick your ass and it's that guy, probably deserve it, right? And I mean, I I take nothing from Cal, but John Cheney would whoop the hell out of pretty much every college basketball coach in history. Maybe John Thompson could have held him off or Jeff Ruland or, you know, (laughs) Jawan Howard, maybe. But all time, if Cheney's coming at you, you're dead. Dead meat, he's going to whoop you. Bobby Knight would have been running out of that joint. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's more bark than bite right there. Cheney, and I don't blame anybody. You do not want to fight John Cheney and angry. So he gives us complimentary press conference and then leaves. And so it's okay, great. We're all sitting there. And then Cal gets in there. And Cal, in between, had gotten and had tried and argued with the officials after the game, mind you, that he won. He argues with the officials. So Cheney finds out about Cal working the officials after the game and loses it. And that's when he comes back in and that's when it starts. And that's what he's yelling about. And it was phenomenal. I was like, this is, this is awesome. I got to be a sports writer. <laughs> like, this, this <laughs> and that's it wasn't it, it for pod listeners. If when, when Dan's voice ratchets up in excitement, when he says, we got a fight to talk about that's, this was, this was the precursor. I was so of that. fired up. I was this like, was the this gateway is phenomenal. Drug. 
Like, what just happened? And then I went into Temple locker room. to t- I followed Cheney. I'm like, all right, let's see what's going on here. And then, like, one of their assistants, I won't say his name because I won't get, I don't know, no. But he, like, practically, like, grabs me by the neck to throw me out. Like, they're like, get, get out of here. Like, nowadays, like, Coach K is a little dismissive of a student reporter, and it's like national news. Back then, you get you deservedly get your ass kicked in the Temple locker room. <laughs> I shouldn't have been in there. I deserved it. Um, and, I mean, it was just mayhem. It was phenomenal. And then the next time, they had to play down in um, Philly. They had a rematch game, like, you know, whatever. Back when leagues actually played round robin other than the Big 12. And that game was hyped. People were like, it's going to be dangerous and all this. I'm like, guys, ah, a bunch of Temple College students, like whatever. And that game was so intense. And they were selling T-shirts outside, I remember. And they had the tail of the tape. And they had a picture of Cheney on one side and Cal on the other. And Cheney's like 6'4", 250. And Cal's like, you know, 5'9", 110. You know, like they just... <laughs> The mockery, the crap. I mean, talk about a tent. And it was in McGonagall Hall, 3,000 oh, seats. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, mayhem. And Mike Williams won that game, too. Hit a three-pointer. Huh. Won the game. That was one of the most, it, it, honest to God, one of the most exciting games of I've ever seen. Went down the buzzer. You couldn't hear anything. Yeah. So loud. And you did not know if the, because he said, next time I see you, I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and if there's one thing about John Cheney, he's a truth teller. So it was like this pregame handshake. Figured you better be there for the next time he sees him. Yeah. You know what? Like you talk about those environments, like one of the things that's just missing from uh, college basketball this year. Like it's just like so that searing passion. Fans. Like, I watched it. Yes. Just like like the environment makes the sport maybe more than any other sport. And so like I was trying to watch Oklahoma, Texas Tech class. It was just like an interminable slog. And just you you just want that juice, that kick, that reaction. Like it's just it's like the heartbeat of the sport has been ripped away in, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, yeah, I just can't wait for that first game that I cover. Hopefully it'll be next November or December where you're just sitting in like a throbbing gymnasium and you can think the, the coursing energy through it. There's no replication for that. And I feel like the sport is missing that adrenaline burst. They also year. replaced a lot of those great gyms. And oh, I know yeah. right. You know. These yeah. things are ancient. Yeah. Yeah. But no, McG- McGonagall, they, you know, yeah, the Chorus Center is pits, beautiful. You know? Yeah. yeah. But yeah. man, 3,200 seat McGonagall Hall on the uh, right there in North Philly. I mean, that was like intimidation. And yeah. you hey, know, that's you one go reason I'll still places. salute Duke for keeping keeping 9,131 yeah. seats or whatever it is in yeah. Cameron. I went to the Mullen Center last year, which replaced the cage to see Obi Toppin play. And it was like a Sunday afternoon or it might have been a Saturday afternoon. I don't, I don't remember. Uh, it was weekend afternoon early. And uh, like the place was like if there's one, if you're a UMass season ticket, if there's one game you're going to want to go to, it's the Dayton game to see Toppin last year. And the place was just dead asleep, you know, because it was just this, it's just a huge building that probably holds. What is it? What is Mullen's old damn? 10,000? 10,000. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And. UMass for basketball and hockey should have a gym that holds five or 6,000. Right. Right. They overbuilt everything in the sport. It's hard. And nowadays, particularly, it's hard to get full houses anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No doubt. You know, so Gallagher Iba Arena is just like they, that to me, the original Gallagher Iba was was as great of a gym as you could ever get. Yeah. And now it's, you know, it's hard to get 13,000 people to go to a game in Stillwater. And you got to be, you got to be rolling. And yeah. it's like, God, this gym was so great. And they, they they took the roof off. To their credit, 
they've kept that place as like they literally just built over yeah. it, mm-hmm. took the roof off. They have the same floor it, since they they originally put in the floor. It's the same floor. Never changed the floor. They just yeah. sand it. So, all right. So, John Cheney, we will miss you. Thank you for all the memories, and uh, thank you for inspiring me to become a sports writer. Uh, by almost getting at John Calipari. (laughs) Thank you for listening. We'll be back Thursday. We're going to break down National Signing Day, amongst other things. Uh, Not a lot of guys still to go on Wednesday, but there'll be some uh, and plenty more. So appreciate everyone listening. Subscribe, tell your friends, and uh, keep sending us nice uh, messages. Talk to you guys on Thursday.